0: Hello and welcome to another weekly teaching from Vineyard Community Church, St. Louis. So we are in, uh, we are in a series on the book of Daniel uh, that David started a few weeks ago. David's our, our lead pastor, um, and he, actually he and Debbie are in Vermont right now helping our, our sending church pastors uh, do some moving. So um, So they're... They're having they're having fun I'm sure I don't know <laughs> it didn't sound like that much fun to me but um, but yeah so we're gonna be in chapter four and before I get into that I was I was wondering how many of you guys know the name Phil Strout do you guys I'm just curious how many of you guys know yeah okay so about, about what I was expecting so Phil is a Phil's a great guy he is uh, he was for about 10 years he was the national director of uh, the Vineyard USA um, and if you're not familiar with that, the, you know, our church, The Vineyard, we're part of a uh, global network or movement of churches um, worldwide. And, and, and Phil, so Phil served a role as being the national director for uh, about 10 years up until last year and, and, and did a great job with that. And, uh, but I, I remember the first time I heard about Phil was um, through a book, actually, that my small group was doing many, many years ago. And it was really the title of the book that, that struck me. And, and it was this, it was called God's relentless pursuit, God's relentless pursuit. And so, you know, I had grown up in the church, and, um, but I grew up in, in just kind of learning. I don't know if it's what they said, but this is what I heard, was, was really our job was to be pursuing God, right, which, which it is. But it was really, my understanding of it was that really it was all up to us. Like when it comes to, um, you know, when it comes to growing closer to God and, and being able to know more about him, what, what we needed was we needed to buckle down and we needed to do the, the spiritual disciplines. We needed to read our Bible. We needed to pray. We needed to, you know, go to church. We needed to do X, Y, and Z, you name it. And, and it was on us. It was on us to pursue God. And when it came to uh, being in a place where, you know, we were talking about uh, missions and reaching the world and, 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 uh, and helping, helping the poor, all that stuff, that was also on us, right? That was also on us. It was our job to go and come up with the strategies and to, you know, to do all the things that needed to be done out there in the world. It was on us. And so, so when I saw this book and it said, wait, God's, relentless pursuit, and we start going through this. You know, in this book, it was interesting because part, in, in part of the book, Phil tells a story about how God pursued him. And it's this pretty wild story. Uh, if you ever get a chance to hear it, it's, it's, it's actually pretty funny. Phil is, uh, Phil's from Maine, so like like probably about 15% of the words if you hear him speak, you, you can't actually understand, so it's got a great accent. But, uh, but it's this pretty amazing story about how God really did through a series of events in his life, God like hunted him down. He, he didn't know Jesus growing up, and, and God just kept setting these things in motions to pursue him, uh, to bring him into the kingdom, and, and ultimately to become um, this missionary, and this pastor, and um, do all these awesome things. And, and so, so his mindset was, man, God pursues us, Right? And of course, it's both. Right? We, we want to be pursuing God. And every, every, you know, every Sunday here, we always, you know, we'll always we always have, I'll have today, we'll have an invitation that talks about, hey, what can, what, what can we be doing? How can we be responding, right? But contrary to the way that I understood faith growing up, um, as it turns out, God is really the one. He's the one that initiates, right? He's the first one we love because he first loved us. God relentlessly pursues us. And so this is something that I, I just couldn't help but think about when I was reading uh, Daniel four. And actually, as we've been going through the first few chapters of Daniel, um, if you if you recall uh, Daniel one, if you're around, you know God comes uh, or uh, King Nebuchadnezzar uh, comes and he takes uh, Daniel and and his three friends, the main characters of the book, and out of out of their country and brings them to Babylon. And, uh, and there's this interaction that they have, where uh, where King Nebuchadnezzar is like introduced to uh, this god, and then and then in chapter two, there's a situation uh, where again Nebuchadnezzar gets. A little bit more of a taste, and you actually see him. Uh, you actually see him talking about how great God is, and then, and then in chapter three last week, David uh, told us the story of the of the fiery furnace, right? Very familiar story, and and at the end of that, once again, King Nebuchadnezzar is like uh, coming into a little bit more of an understanding of God, and, and we're going to see that build even further this morning. Um, but before we get there, we got the kids in here today, and so I need I need a little bit of help because actually. You know, as it turns out, I've already stumbled over Nebuchadnezzar a few times uh, today. And so this is what, this is what I want to do, okay, with the kids' help, is we need some nicknames for Nebuchadnezzar, all right? And to inspire, ins- to inspire us with that, I have brought in our friend, um, if you're not familiar, this would be uh, ne- Nebby K. Nezer, okay, copyright VeggieTales, uh, if you guys know. So. Um, Okay, so I need some nicknames for Nebuchadnezzar. All right, can you throw some out? Okay, all right, we got a, a go, a go, Lainey, you got one? Um, so one of my Just quick, you love nicknames, I know. We could go a long time. Nebby. Okay, great, that's good. Oh, and this is what I was going to ask. If you're if you're on Slack, we can we can throw some uh, on our Slack channel. Some some. Okay, we got what's what's one over here. We got any over there, right, family? Chad. Ooh, I like that. I hadn't thought about that. That's unusual, right? Yeah. Pull it out of the middle of the name. I like that. Okay. All right. We got a Ford back there. What do you think? Oh, help. help? Is that what? You... Oh, help. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not sure I quite got that one, but uh, we can work on that later. Okay. What else we got? Got a Galloway. Nezer. I like that one. Yeah, Nebuchadnezzar probably pretty good. Okay. All right. So we got a few. Any more? Any more? Last Okay. Reb. Back. Be? Back. 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 Like also kind of. Yeah. Back. Okay. All right. I'll try to. U- okay. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna over time. I'm gonna try to utilize some of those rather than trying to say Nebuchadnezzar, like a hundred times. So we'll see if that works or not. I don't know. We'll see if. It, we'll see how it goes. I like to experiment with things. Okay. So we got Nebuchadnezzar, and we've got. Uh, you know the interesting thing about him, about King Neb, is that even though the book is called Daniel and for the most part is written written by Daniel, um, you know the only character through these first four chapters here that's consistent is our buddy King Neb. He's the only one that shows up in all four chapters, um, and so I think there's a reason for that. And in this chapter, chapter four is. Uh, particularly unique because um, it's actually written in the voice, what you'll hear in a minute, it's written in the voice of King Nebuchadnezzar. That's, that's actually, it's, it's, I'm, it'd be hard to think about another place in the Bible that is sort of written by, um, you know, what is a, a, a pagan king or a pagan person um, in the Bible. So it's just, just a really interesting uh, section of Scripture here but it definitely ties in through our whole series with uh, some of our primary themes. And so David introduced us to these in the first couple of weeks, and I just wanted to go over them again here just as we're listening through to scripture. And so, um, so the first one is this, kings and kingdoms come and go, but God is eternal and his plan is unstoppable. Okay, Kings and kingdoms Come and go, right? There's always there's always ins and outs, and even even in the case of Nebuchadnezzar, he he ruled for a really long time, right? But ultimately he wasn't the king anymore, right? And there were and even though he was a really, really big deal at the time, there were other kings and kingdoms in the world at the time as well, right? But God is eternal and his plan is unstoppable. Okay, so we're gonna hear some more about that. And number two is that God is not unclear, confused. Or uncertain about anything. And the reason why we talk about this is because, you know, through the book of Daniel, there's, there's a bunch of dreams, there's a bunch of prophecies. Uh, when we get into the latter half of Daniel, there's going to be some stuff that's just kind of downright weird in places. I mean, maybe even this chapter is kind of weird. Um, and so there's, there's some cause for kind of confusion or maybe what's going on even within the book. And of course, in our own lives, this happens a lot, right? There are many things that we are uh, unclear about. There are many things that we get confused about and and are uncertain. The world is, uh, you know, the world seems like it's only becoming more uncertain all the time, right? Uh, And that's true for the world. That's true in our own lives. But God is not unclear, confused, or uncertain about anything. And then the third thing is that everyone must choose which king to serve, we actually tweaked the wording on this a little bit from before, but hopefully this communicates it better. Everyone must choose which king to serve. Like, it is a binary choice in a sense. I mean, there's a lot of kings and kingdoms out there. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things that are vying for power in your life. We've said it that way before. Um, but it's really a choice that we have between whether we're going to serve those things kind of collectively, pick your, pick your poison, or whether we're going to serve the one true king. We are designed to live under the one true king, okay? And so those are our primary themes and we're gonna to start to see them uh, in some more detail here as we go through. So um, so if you got your Bibles, hopefully you got your Bibles, you got your phones or something, um, Daniel chapter four. I'm gonna have it mostly on the screen. Um, and actually, okay, so I say this uh, every time I'm, I'm up teaching is that if you do not have a physical Bible, if you don't own a physical Bible, uh, we would love to give you one, okay? And this is, this is I'm going to put just a little bit more meat on that. Part of the reason for that, I know you all have them on your phones. I have it on my phone. Most of the time I read my Bible, it's on my phone. But guess what is on your phone that isn't in the physical Bible? Everything else, right? <laughs> like, like if you want to go and get alone with God's word, this is not always the best choice for that, is it, Right? So leave, you leave this wherever you know, and you, you bring this. And actually, so we went out and actually got so that I, so we don't have to get, we don't have to like get your name or anything. We've got uh, several physical Bibles. These are really nice ESV uh, Holy Bible with with really good references in it. Okay, these are available. If you want one, you can you can have one today. Okay, if you don't if you don't have one. All right. So we're gonna be in Daniel chapter four. And, uh, and we'll read from the screen for part of it here. And I'm just going to make it, um, I'm going I'm to kind of go through and make some comments along the way. Um, Devin's probably going to hate me, so we're going to have to go back and forth a bit here. But here's Daniel chapter 4. King and Nebi, to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell on the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that are the most high, uh, that the Most High God has done for me. How great are His signs! How mighty His wonders! His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and His dominion endures from generation to generation. All right. So, like I said, this is written in the voice of this pagan king, Nebuchadnezzar. This is a this is a historical guy. Okay. So sometimes people, you know, uh, secular people, a lot of times they they question a lot of things in the Bible, whether it's historically there or not, and and there's arguments. A lot of times there's just a straight dismissiveness. Um, Usually what happens is that over time archaeology will actually come up with things, and they're like, oh, it turns out that this person was real, and oh, this person did exist, and things like that happen on a regular basis, but, but Neb here is, uh, is not someone who's in dispute historically. This is a real person. Uh, he really did, he did, really did rule. In Babylon, he was a big deal. He was a really big deal. He, um, he was arguably the most powerful ruler uh, in the world at that time, okay? If not the most powerful, one of the most powerful. And so it's really remarkable to read him, this most powerful guy, say that there is a most high God, okay, and talk of, and use this language, this language of worship here, especially if you guys remember last chapter. What did he do uh, before the fiery furnace? What was the problem? You guys remember? What did he build? It, yeah, a giant 90-foot golden statue of himself, right? That's pretty, I mean, can you just think for a second, like have you ever thought about building a statue to yourself? I don't know if you have. Have you ever thought about building a 90-foot golden statue? Like probably not, right? Like what kind of an ego (laughs) do you have to have to do that, right, and then tell everybody, you know, we're not just gonna wander around and like have it in the background. We're actually, you're actually gonna bow to it whenever I tell you to, right? So, so this, guy is, this guy thinks very highly of himself, um, and, and he is a big deal legitimately, but here he's saying, wow, the most high God has done these things for me, and I love what he says, the, his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, his dominion endures from generation to generation, which is something that cannot be said of King Neb, right? Kingdoms come and go, but God is eternal. So let's keep going. He's going to tell you how he got there, right, from this, uh, this guy who built a 90-foot statue of himself to worshiping God. He says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house, prospering in my palace. I saw a dream that made me afraid. As I lay in bed, the fancies and visions of my head alarmed me. So I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream." And then the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers came in and I told them the dream, but they could not make known to me its interpretation. And so if you guys remember in chapter one, he also had a dream. And in that case, he actually didn't tell his his dream team what it was, he just expected them to know what it was and then interpreted it for him. In this case, he actually does tell them what it is, and what's interesting is that, you know, in some translations, the way that last sentence reads, they, they could not make known to me inter- his, its interpretation. Um, some people would actually more kind of indicate that they, you know, it's like could or would not. Um, and some people would say that it might actually be a would not. Like they, they kind of knew what it meant. And when we go through the dream, you might kind of also figure out like, yeah, that's maybe not that hard to interpret. Um, but they, they maybe would not tell him what the dream meant. Um, and so it goes on, it says, At last Daniel came in before me, he who was named Belteshazzar, after the name of my God, and in whom is the Spirit of the Holy Gods. And I told him the dream, saying, Oh Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the Spirit of the Holy Gods is in you, and that no mystery is too difficult for you, tell me the visions of my dream that I saw, and their interpretation. The vision of my head as I lay in bed were these, okay? And so I'm going to just, I'm going to put up this little picture here and I'm going to read, I'm going to read without the screen here uh, starting in in verse 10. I think, right? Yes. (laughs) Just checking. Okay. And so the visions of my head as I lay in my bed were these. I saw, and behold, a tree in the midst of the earth and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong, and its top reached to heaven, and it was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the field, uh, birds of the heaven lived in its branches, and all flesh was fed in it. So he's got this vision, right? This huge tree, and it's like this kind of glorious thing, and then there's this big turn. It says, I saw this vision in my head as I lay on my bed. Behold, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven. He proclaimed aloud and said, thus, chop down the tree, lop off its branches, strip off its leaves, and scatter its fruit. Let the beast flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but leave the stump of its roots in earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze amid the tender grass of the field. Let him be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth." And so there's this there's this vision that he has, right? And it's really like this this huge contrast. It goes from this huge, awesome tree to, to being shut down. And and um, and so he's troubled by this, right? And and part of what's interesting about the stream, like we talked about the interpretation, so it starts out as this tree, and then right here at this point, the language turns into talking about him. And as we continue in verse sixteen, it says, Let his mind be changed from a man. So now now we're not talking about a tree clearly, we're talking about a person. Let his mind be changed from a man, and let a beast's mind be given to him, and let seven periods of time pass over him. The sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end that living that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men, and gives it to whom he will, and sets it over uh, sets over at the lowliest of men, which is a really interesting phrase. We'll probably get back to that later on. And so Neb gives us this dream, and the dream I, Nebuchadnezzar, saw. And you, O tell me the interpretation, because all the wise men of my kingdom are not able or would not make known to me the interpretation. But you are able because the spirit of the holy gods is in you, Right? And so here again, we see Neb is, Nebi is uh, starting to, you know, recognize more and more that there's something about Daniel that's different, right? There's something that lives in Daniel. He doesn't know how to name it, of course. Like we would not say the holy gods, right? We're, we're monotheistic here. Daniel's monotheistic. But he knows there's something in Daniel that's different than, than others. And he's experienced that enough to realize, hey, there's, there's something here. And, you know, it's funny because he tells, tells us that Daniel is the chief of the magicians. I mean, Daniel had risen up in their ranks so much that he was in charge of a lot. But for whatever reason, Daniel wasn't brought in the first time. He's only brought in now. Um, and I'm not sure why, but Daniel comes to him, and he actually says he was dismayed for a while, and his thoughts alarmed him. He was dismayed for a while, and his thoughts alarmed him. And the king answered, Beltashar, let not the dream of, or the interpretation alarm you, and Belteshazzar answered and said, My Lord, may the dream be for those who hate you, and its interpretation for your enemies. And so Daniel gets what the dream is, right? And we're going we're gonna to see his interpretation. But it disturbs him, right? It disturbs him, which is interesting. Um, I think it disturbs him, uh, as we'll, as we'll kind of talk more about at the end. It disturbs him because I think he actually really cares about King Neb. He really has, you know, this has been a long time in his kingdom, and even though, um, even though Nebuchadnezzar was decidedly, you would say, not a good thing for his life, right? This is the guy who came in uh, and brought, basically enslaved him out of his home, uh, destroyed the city where he was from, the holy, holy city of Jerusalem, and did all sorts of terrible things. He, he tried to kill him and his friends a couple of different times, probably, you know, he um, was not a great guy, but somehow Daniel had developed uh, this ability to actually care for this king and to actually, actually to, to serve him for, for good. And that's just kind of an interesting thing, right? It's not, it's not what we would expect necessarily, but Daniel is, Daniel is troubled, and, and he actually says, man, I'd rather this be for someone else than for you, uh, O king. So let's see what he says. He says, The tree you saw which grew and became strong, so that its top reached the heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth, whose leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant, and in which was food for all, under which the beasts of the field found shade, and in its branches the birds of the heavens lived. It is you, O king, who have have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens, and your dominion to the ends of the earth. And because the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze and the tender grass of the field, and let him be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts of the field till seven periods of time pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king. It is a decree of the Most High, which has come upon my lord the king, that you shall be driven from among men, And your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and you shall be wet with the dew of heaven, and seven periods of time shall pass over you till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. And as it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that that you know that heaven rules." therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. And this is his is, this is big warning here. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. Okay, there's a, there's a lot of stuff in here, uh, and, I, and I'm already running out of time. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, Daniel gives him this interpretation, and it is a, it is a harsh one. Basically, he's saying... King Nebuchadnezzar, you're this great and awesome thing, but God is going to literally cut you down to size, right, in the vision. You're this huge tree, and he's going to chop you down. And he's going to do that until you know, essentially, who's really the boss, who's really the king here. And there's, there's, so, there's so much in there. Um, you know, I, I think one of the things for us, as we think about this, right, we're not, we're not King Nebuchadnezzar, um, but one of the things that the phrases that's been repeated in here several times is this idea that the most high rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. So I'm going to be, I'm going to try to tread a little carefully here, okay? <laughs> like I said, if I say something offensive, you know who to go to. Um, but I'll just say, you know, for myself, look, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world. And regardless of what your, uh, what your political persuasion is or what your worldview is like, I imagine that most of us, if you're paying any attention in, you know, pick your time period, certainly in the last uh, few years here, you've probably spent some time being pretty concerned about what's going on, right? You've probably said, man, why is, you know, you, you've probably been upset that so-and-so person has been elected, or that this thing is going on in the world right now, and you know, we've, got a, we've got a war in Europe right now, and it doesn't look like it's gonna you know, go away anytime soon. I mean, there's, there's just all the stuff that's going on in the world, and it seems like really out of control, right? And, and you know, maybe sometimes you get a respite from it because maybe your person who you wanted elected is in office for, for a little while, but guess what? We know that that's probably going to change, right? And, and so we spend a lot of time, I know I, know I certainly have, like being caught up in being, uh, and just feeling like this uncertainty, like this, this idea that things are out of control. And maybe, maybe if you're actually more spiritual, you would actually be able to say, you'd be able to attribute it to God, but be able to say something more like, God, why did you let this happen, right? Why in the world would you allow this to occur? What is going on? And, 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 and that's actually better. Like, at least we're going to God with that. We're able to say, uh, oh, God, like, I'm really, I'm really worried about this. But in the Bible, it does make it clear, right? And this is hard to wrap your head around, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to make it all se- uh, make sense for you, okay? Um, we, we live in tension around here. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily all make sense, but the Bible makes it very clear that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives that rulership to whom he will. And in fact, in the other verse that we read earlier, it said that he sets the lowliest men over those kingdoms sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't make any sense at all. It's the lowliest of people who are actually in power, right? That's, that's, that's crazy. Well, God, why do you do that, right? Why, why is that the case? And like I said, I'm not here to answer that question, but I am here to say... That's what the Bible says, that God is in fact uh, in control in that sense, to use that cliche or or to put it in the terms of our primary themes: that his plans are unstoppable. His plans are unstoppable. Okay, so whatever it is that you're worried about that's happening in the world right now, and it is worrying, I'm not here to say that it's not concerning, okay? But you need to put that under the context of the fact that God's plans are unstoppable. What's happening on the earth is not a surprise to him, okay? It's not. It is not a surprise to him. He, his plans are unstoppable, and he is still working that plan, and that's what Daniel makes clear. He, he, that's what God is really trying to communicate to King Neb here is just how much uh, he is in control, and then he goes on here and he says, Oh King, let my, my counsel be acceptable to you. And once again here you see Daniel's heart coming out. He's wanting Nebuchadnezzar to avert this fate. And, and I think one of the other things that we see in this passage, maybe, maybe some of you were thinking it is, you know, uh, when when bad things happen in your life, and, and we're gonna see in a minute, bad things happen in King Neb's life here. Right? Like, is that, is that my fault? <laughs> Is God, is God punishing me for something that I did, okay? Is, is the reason why I'm struggling with, you know, in this case for King Neb, it's, it's, it's straight on mental illness, like big time. Is the reason why I'm struggling with that, is that, is that because God is judging me in some way? And, and, and what I would just say about that real quick is that all through the Old Testament, for the most part, okay, there might be You might argue some exceptions, but for the most part, by and large, when God is going to do something like this, that he's going to do to King Neb, he makes it really clear what he's going to do, and he gives people a chance to get out of it, right? And so most of the time, when you're thinking about, man, is there suffering in my life because of something I did? That's a good thing to reflect on. I'm not saying you shouldn't, okay? But most of the time, that's not true, right? Most of the time, the reason why there's suffering in the world is because it's the world, and because, yeah, there is sin in the world, and it's, and it's our fault in some collective sense, but, but it's not because God's angry with you or he's judging you. You know, you'll know if that's happening, right? And, and, and King Neb is going to know that in a minute here, okay? And so all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar, and it says at the end of 12 months, right? So he heard this. He heard Daniel say this to him. Uh, but 12 months later, he's walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, and the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence, and for the glory of my majesty. I have to say it like that, right? Like he is he is like feeling pretty good about himself. And like I said, in a worldly sense, he probably should. He was a big deal. He was he was he was known. And while the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you. And you will be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with a beast of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdoms of men and gives it to whom he will." Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among the men and ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as the eagle's feathers, and his nails were like bird's claws. Okay? Ugh. Yeah. And if, you, and if you go and Google this, you know, you'll see lots of artists' renditions. I decided not to put any of them up here because they're all super weird, right? It's like, I don't know. Sometimes Christian artists are... Yeah. Ah. Uh, you, you be a better one, all you artists out there, okay? Be better. Um, but this, is, this happens to him, right? And it's the seven periods of time, most people agree that that's seven years, right? I mean, it's gotta be long enough for all these things to, to occur. I don't, I don't know how long it takes for your hair to, and your nails to grow like that, but, but it's a long time. And, and actually, going back to some of the archaeology and stuff, there is, there is, in fact, like a seven-year period of time where there's kind of like this absence of anything that's going on with King Neb. There's, you know, he's known as he was a warrior for a long time, but then really he was known as a builder. He built all these wonderful things, that the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, are, are one of the seven ancient wonders of the world that um, that people acknowledge as being this this incredible thing. But there's this there's this gap in history that a lot of people recognize that is about seven years where there's nothing on him, and so this happens to him. All the things that God spoke through Daniel in love happened in Nebuchadnezzar. And let's see what happens next. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. And this is just such a great song of worship here. It says, For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation, and all the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? right? So Nebuchadnezzar gets it. He gets who's really the king. And and that's why we titled the series this way, right? The king. Who's really the king? There's kings that come and go in the book of Daniel, and Nebuchadnezzar is one of them. But who's really the king? He gets it on this. He's got to go to a place of complete ruin, right? I mean, he's of humiliation, really. I mean, the kingdom departed from him, although God did leave. He left the stump, right? He left them intact. But, but otherwise, the kingdom departed from him, and he was, he was humiliated. He was brought to this incredibly low place, the lowest of low, unlike anything that anyone's really ever probably seen. But he gets it after this. He's able to say, he's able to actually fall from his pride, right? From his unbelievable arrogance, he's able to fall all the way down from that high place to this low, low place, which is exactly where he, he loves to be, in fact, right? You can hear it in the psalm. This is where he should be, that he recognizes God's dominion. He recognizes that, the king, that his kingdom endures from generation to generation, uh, and it says this to wrap up it says at the same time my reason returned to me and for the glory of my kingdom my majesty and my splendor returned to me my counselors and my Lord sought me and I was established in my kingdom and still more greatness was added to me and now I Nebuchadnezzar praise and extol and honor the king of heaven for all his works are right and his ways are just and those who walk in pride he is able to humble right he's like can I get a witness he's he is, he is saying that. But he praises and extols and honors God's name. Isn't that incredible? Like, what a turn. What a turn for Neb. And, and this, is, this, is, uh, this is the last part of the narrative uh, for Nebuchadnezzar. He'll come back in some of the prophecies later on that are kind out of out of order chronologically. But, but for the narrative of, of King Neb here, um, or Chad. I forgot to use Chad. For Chad, this is, this is it. He's, he, he's going out on, on a high note here, right? And God has pursued him into this place, and, and so that's one of the things here, just as we, as we just kind of think about this chapter. So three things to just kind of think about is, one, that God pursues Nebuchadnezzar. He does that through these four chapters here, he pursues him. He, he's, he gives him warning, but ultimately, he doesn't let him go, And the best thing that ever happened to Nebuchadnezzar was being ruined by God and being brought to that low place, right? He pursues him. And he shows his love through Daniel, right? God shows his love for him by sending Daniel into this place and giving Daniel the courage and the insight and the wisdom to be able to interpret the stream and to be able to do it in this really, um, really, really loving way, this way that ultimately shows his affection and kindness to the king, and and unfortunately he didn't listen, but he was shown his love. In order to pl- replace this ruinous pride that Nebuchadnezzar has, with what is really, really genuine, genuine worship. I mean, it's really—I don't know—that I, I, that piece there. It's like if you if you said, "Is that from the Psalms, or is that from you know, is that from Mary, or or some other character?" No, this is from. From this pagan king is genuine worship that he's giving. And so for us this morning, um, you know, I, I feel like the Lord just wants us to take that in a little bit, you know. I don't know that I, uh, we got we have a couple things to think about here that I'll bring up, but, um, but you know, in the scope of scripture, right, this is part of taking in his word and, and being able to just see, okay, so God, what would you have to say to me about this? And um, so here's our invitation and the first thing is just this, to reflect on the ways God has pursued you. Reflect on the ways God has pursued you, because he has. He's pursuing you even right now. Some of you might not know it, might not feel it, but he's after you. He's after your heart. And to the extent that you know that and you can recognize that, spend some time this week expressing your gratitude and honor uh, to him for that, okay? And then here's the other thing. I should bring Jeff up. Is Jeff here? The one, oh, there we go the solo man today. Did you talk about that earlier, that you're solo this morning? Yeah. You did? Okay, all right, cool. Um, briefly. <laughs> you're doing awesome. It's, this, is actually, this actually works out perfectly for us because we're going we're gonna to be able to hone in on, on some worship here. Um, invite Jesus into any places of pride in your life that are keeping you from true worship, right? Right? It's really, ultimately, for Neb, I mean, he, he lived a life of pride. And, and he couldn't really get to a place of really accepting God until, until he was brought low, until his pride has gone away. And I know I haven't talked a whole lot about that this morning, but I do feel like that is a place for, for each of us to be able to examine. Jesus, are there places, where, where is it that I'm hung up on not being able to worship you? And maybe, maybe the reason for that is because there's some kind of pride getting in the way of that. So so invite him into that, okay?